0: Jet is all but ready to give up on himself. This is his 60th consecutive day where he tried maintaining concentration during the first bracha of Shmon Esrei, and he has so far not managed to get it right even once. He can't stop thinking about sports, making money, building muscle mass from the beginning of davening to the end. His inner critic keeps repeating the words loser to him. And he's ready to give up. Now here's Jet's dilemma. If Jet excuses himself not having Kavana every day and autopiloting through davening and shows himself self-compassion, then he'll lose his sense of importance for the words of davening. And he'll never build up the proper motivation to break his thoughts of distraction and finally have proper Kavana. However, on the other hand, if Jet goes hard on himself and keeps calling himself a good for nothing, then he'll lower his self image to the point where he'll never have the true self belief he needs to tell himself that he has what it takes to overcome his challenge and to reach his goal. What is Jet supposed to do? This week's episode, I want to take a look at Moshe Rabbeinu's interesting shift of character from the way he interacts with Hashem to the way he reacts to the Jewish people. I want to talk about the skill of using conflicting attitudes within ourselves at the appropriate times. And if you stay with me till the end, I will give you three practical areas where you can use this powerful tool in your own life. Chaos breaks loose in this week's Parsha. Moshe leaves the Jewish people for 40 days to receive the complete form of the Torah. And in the 11th hour, the Jewish people abandon their relationship with Hashem to host this massive golden calf festival. Hashem, so to speak, could not believe it. There was nothing more He could do for the Jewish people to set them down a path of higher moral living. He tried everything, provided them with every need in the desert, miracle after miracle, gave them the Torah, promised them a unique relationship. It was all over. Plan A was for Hashem to create this world and give the ability for all of humanity to connect to Him through Torah and mitzvot. After 10 generations of people forsaking Hashem, Hashem decided to carry forward His original mission exclusively with the children of Avraham, And now that the Jewish people had failed again, Hashem was considering to make another attempt exclusively through the children of Moshe Rabbeinu. If the Jewish people failed 39 days after receiving the Torah, experiencing prophecy, witnessing Hashem firsthand, then how would they ever fulfill the mission of dedicating their lives to a life of godly living? Moshe Rabbeinu, not knowing he would be the trendsetter for all future Jewish lawyers and generations to come, takes on the case for the Jewish people. He comes up to Hashem and tops Ben Brofman, Alan Dershowitz, with one of the best criminal defense arguments of all times. He tells Hashem to forgo his anger. Shows Hashem how it will lead to desecration of his name when the nations say that a relationship with him only ends in abandonment. He then reminds Hashem of the love he had for Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and how these people had their qualities still buried deep inside them. He then argues to Hashem that this same stubbornness that they're showing, that refusal to change, That upset Hashem so much that would one day serve the Jewish people because once they do commit themselves to to you, Hashem, they will never give it up in the face of every social and political pressure that comes their way. And what do you know? Hashem says, Case dismissed. (laughs) Hashem surrenders his suggestion, lets it go. And he's placated from the words of Moshe Rabbeinu. Here comes the problem. Moshe just spent the hour convincing Hashem how he needs to forego his level of strict judgment, let it all go, and overlook the severity of the golden calf. And then, a moment later, he goes down from that mountain to the Jewish people. And what does he do? Smashes the luchos, the tablets with the Ten Commandments, in a display of anger to give a visual to the Jewish people of how they severed themselves from Hashem's will. He then pulverizes the golden calf, carrying out harsh judgment on the Jewish people, forcing everyone to drink from the waters that would end their life if they were involved in the Avera. He even gathers the tribe of Levi, and with the famous line, Mila Hashem Elai, executes the people that were leading this rampage. Later on in Devara, Moshe tells the people off. He gives them musr for what they did, And the major question is, what's with the sudden change of attitude? Is Moshe Rabbeinu being two-faced, God forbid? When he talks to Hashem, he argues about how Hashem should overlook the sin of the Jewish people, and he brushes it off as no big deal. But then, a moment later, he goes down from the mountain, full force on the Jewish people, showing how severe their actions were, smashing the luchos, carrying out the strictest form of judgment, and telling them off for what they did. Is he acting like the typical lawyer making every defense argument he could conjure up without really believing it has any moral basis? How do we explain the dichotomy of Moshe's reactions? The Sifse explains that, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't asking Hashem to overlook anything. However, there are two ways of reacting to something. The reaction of what he calls mishpat, discipline, and strict judgment. And the reaction of what he calls yichud, being unwavering, letting everybody else's actions slide by and not letting it affect you at all. Generally speaking, the appropriate response of a leader or a teacher or a parent is one of mishpat. A parent has to set and implement boundaries and discipline around a child to give the child a sense of proper limitations. The ability to understand consequence and a feeling of security and boundaries. The same with Hashem. The deserving consequence for the Jewish people was one of abandonment. They had burned the most powerful oppression Hashem could give them. Hashem gave them all straight prophecy provided for them miraculously with every need and showered them with every display of love and affection. There was nothing else he could give them to earn their loyalty. It was time to cut losses and start again. But Moshe made three arguments convincing Hashem to switch from his mode of mishpat of strict judgment to the mode of yichud of letting go and overlooking what they did. However, when Moshe now descended the mountain to lead the Jewish people, he had to show them quite the opposite example. They had the mindset that what they did didn't really matter. They can do what they want and enjoy a good old golden calf dance party. Moshe now had to shift and display the opposite attitude at the appropriate time. He had to switch from an attitude of letting it all go to an attitude of showing that it matters. What Moshe teaches us here is a critical tool and quality. He shows us that we can hold two conflicting attitudes at the same time, using each one exactly where it's appropriate. Let me give you an example of this. We have a mitzvah to judge people favorably. If every time I judge somebody around me doing an Avera favorably, I begin to dilute the severity of the Avera. So I'm going to say, oh, Johnny probably screams at his mother because he has childhood trauma. And I can't judge him because I don't understand his challenge and what he goes through. And, you know, maybe Zelda steals makeup and perfume from the store because she grew up with parents that taught her the value of taking shortcuts in life and that that's more important than the value of authenticity and providing the most value you can for other people. And, oh, you know, Fabio... Likely, he can't stop speaking Lush and Hara just because he's more extroverted than me. He has a much stronger need for self validation, and he doesn't have the amount of open headspace for him to analyze what he's doing wrong and make the changes that he needs to. After doing this exercise of judging everyone favorably for a while, what's going to happen is you're going to begin to dilute the severity of every Avera. Every Avera, you're downplaying. Ah, he's doing this because of this, because of this. And if you have that same excuse, uh, then you're justified for doing that Avera. Every bad act is going to be excusable if they have a reason for doing it. This is where a proper Jewish mastery comes in. A person needs to use contradictory mindsets within himself. On the one hand, to excuse the person next to you for every severe Avera that they do. But at the same time, to tell yourself that what they did is dead wrong and that the Avera corrupts a person from within. The same goes for holding one's ego in high esteem. Rabistral Salanter writes that one needs to hold on to two conflicting attitudes at the very same time. To give up his own ego completely, where it makes no difference what people say or think about you and to run away from recognition from other people, but at that very same time to be hypersensitive to other people's covet, never to say something that will even slightly offend or hurt somebody else's sense of self. How can we ignore our own ego and simultaneously hold other people's ego in high esteem? Is ego a good thing or is it not? The answer is we need to use each thought process exactly where it's appropriate for us to reach our highest selves. The last example that I want to give is personal Averos that we go through. On the one hand, we need to know how severe an Avera is, the magnitude of every missed opportunity, the darkness that an Avera brings to the world, and the barriers that it creates in our relationship with Hashem. But at the very same time, we need to show ourselves radical self-love, and compassion, even after we do an Avera to tell ourselves that we're trying life in this limited human body is a working progress and we just need to get 1% better every day to make lasting change. We need to be able to let go of the severity of the Avera in order to protect our self image and give us the inner confidence to get back up and try again. We need to remind ourselves that the Gemara and Kedushin writes that we're children of Hashem no matter how low we fall. The Balatanya writes that a Jum is never feel depressed and hopeless from an Avera. And the Nisiva Shalom also writes that no matter how much a person has blatantly transgressed Hashem's will, he is always ready to pick himself up and return. So should we ignore and overlook the wrongs that we do? No. Should we harp on them and beat ourselves up when we fall? No. So what do we do? Use both as a tool in the appropriate time. Remind yourself how inappropriate and terrible an Avera is before you do it. But after the fact, shut that demeaning voice off in your head telling you that you're garbage. Remind yourself that you're only human and then lock your eye back on the goal by reminding yourself once again of the severity of the Avera And the amazing award that awaits for you at the end of a thorough connection and relationship with Hashem by emulating him in the highest way possible. Being a human being is so complex, there's no straightforward path to success. We have to acknowledge our shortcomings and limitations, but also not sell ourselves short of our true potential for perfection. We must be aware that those same messages that might motivate us can also destroy us. And those same messages that build us also demotivate us. Learn to use each message that you tell yourself at the proper time. Smile through the journey because life is a working progress and we are capable of so much. And use Shabbos as the ultimate reminder of who you really are. i yeah.